Welcome to the Smarty Podcast Series from Charlotte Smarty Pants, where we focus on all things parenting. We talk about everything from education, health, travel, beauty, fashion, and more. Join in on the discussion at charlottesmartypants.com. The Smarty Podcast Series is produced by Charlotte Starroom, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio, and the best parties in the QC the pop star music video parties, and professional voice lessons in a studio. Also amazing content creation. Check them out at charlottestarroom.com. Hi everyone, this is Jen Plum with Charlotte Smarty Pants. Thanks for being here. Joining us today is Mo Fronberger with Child and Family Development, and she specializes in dyslexia, which is what we're talking about today. So thanks for coming today. Yes. Um, so let's dive right in and talk about what is dyslexia. So dyslexia is a language-based learning disability. Um, It is neurological in origin. Um, There's some misinformation out there about what it is. Sometimes if you ask somebody on the street, what is dyslexia? They might say, oh, that's when you flip your numbers and your letters around. Yeah, Yeah. read backwards. Um, And that's just really based on really old research. Um, So what we know is that dyslexia, as I mentioned, is language-based. So people with dyslexia do have trouble with reading and spelling, but it's really rooted in delays that we tend to see in phonological processing. Um, and so this is what we need to be able to decode words to read them. Right. Um, it's what we need to be able to read words fluently so it affects our reading fluency. And then it's also what we need um, really for spelling as well. So how – at what age can you start to tell that – Someone yeah, so there that. are there are actually some pretty early um, red flags that we see, and even preschoolers, we don't um, you know tend to or like to diagnose that early because there's just a lot more development that needs to happen. Um, but things like being able to identify color names, um, that is often a prerequisite skill to being able to identify letter names. So if a child is struggling to learn alphabet letters, that's a really major red flag. I would say, especially before, like if they're struggling, you know, past that five and a half, six, you know, that's that's a struggle. And so um, and and, and I would say particularly in contrast to other skills that you see that they can do well. So you're you're pretty sure cognitively that they're, you know, same age um, as, you know, like their same age peers. Um, But so being able to identify color, color names um, is often a red flag. And then certainly when they get into preschool and kindergarten, being able to learn alphabet um, letters, sounds, being able to rhyme. Those are some of those early signs. Is there ever an age where it's too late? Like, you're like, why didn't my teacher catch this? Yeah. Or, you know, like, um, we, you know, obviously you work hand in hand with your teachers mm-hmm. to understand it. But um, I, I've had some friends whose kids were not diagnosed until like fourth grade, mm-hmm. which seems old. Well, and we, I have, I have kids that are teenagers that come in and it's like 10th grade or 11th Although, grade. Like my husband is, yeah. I'm pretty sure he is, yeah, but yeah. he's old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and it's really, you know, it's a, it, it's a continuum. Like we talk about all types of um, disorders, disabilities. There's a continuum with this. Yeah. And so you have some um, kids or individuals that have a more severe presentation and you have some that are very mild. And so t- typically the milder presentation is the one that doesn't, get caught, if you will, right, until right. later um, because it, you know, the the child's been able to compensate, they're bright, um, you know, and it just doesn't surface sometimes until they're older and they're required to read a lot more, right, write a lot right. more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that goes hand in hand too with like other um, disorder, like math too. Like mm-hmm. it seems like fourth grade for that was yeah. like a magic age. Yes. Um, so say, okay, my child was just 
diagnosed with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. What do I do now here in Charlotte, North Carolina? Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I had no idea, and here I am. Right, right. So, you know, I think we're very fortunate in Charlotte. We have um, a lot of great um, resources here. We have schools in Charlotte that specialize in educating students with learning disabilities. Um, even, obviously, our public schools in, in a lot of ways are equipped um, with regards to um public plans like IEPs and 504 accommodation plans. Mm -hmm. But really, you know, the next step is gathering, you know, information, making sure that you have um, well-researched information. There's um, some really great organizations, the International Dyslexia Association, um, understood uh, Dr. Sally Shaywitz out of Yale University has done a ton of research. So really, I I always encourage parents to learn more about it and educate yourselves, um, educate your children, and then finding that network. There are so many other parents in the right, same boat. Right. Um, and so um, finding that network of people that can, you know, like we do as parents and all other things, you know, wh- where have you gone for this or what has been helpful right. for this? But there are educators like myself in the community that are also there to help you connect you to resources. Because um, right. there's all, all kinds of different things that you might need, like tutoring, um, you know, right. different so things what like it, that. You know, talk about that, like the treatment. What is... The plan, like, so you can go to a private school like a Fletcher, which mm-hmm. is wonderful, mm-hmm. um, or, or what if you can't afford that and mm-hmm. you have to do something else? Like, what is the pl- what is the best plan? Yeah. And how are you treated? And, and a lot of times, again, that depends on that continuum of where where your child is. Right. Um, and so whoever um, evaluates um, and diagnoses should be able to help a parent understand what that type of need is. Are right. they at a place where they need a specialized school? Are we at a place where we can do um, tutoring? Um, and so Orton-Gillingham, I know a lot of parents have heard of that, um, has been around for a very long time, well-researched, really started in the 1930s. Um, Sam Orton and Anna Gillingham were both clinicians that started this um, curriculum, and it is a very systematic, phonetic-based, multisensory way of teaching reading and spelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been proven to time and again to be the best for teaching um, students with dyslexia to read and spell. So are students pulled out of class to have special um, instruction to yeah, work so with a depend- Gilliam? Yeah, yeah. So depending on the school setting, um, some of the private schools, even uh, the faith-based private schools in Charlotte, have Orton-Gillingham trained educators on mm-hmm. staff. And so they pull the kids out and work with them. Obviously, there are tutors that you can take your child to where they come to your house um, to do Orton-Gillingham tutoring. Um, it is best practice to do that twice a week. Um, And then at a at a at a public school, there are there our CMS is actually training um, teachers more and more in some of the Orton Gillingham methodology. So there even are public school teachers that are getting this training. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, Thinking about like the long term goals of so they're diagnosed young and then they're they're basically taught to how how to reprocess information. Mm Is it best to have them, um, you know, what's their future like? Is Mm -hmm. it best to stay in a small setting? Mm -hmm. Is it best to um, bring them back to a larger traditional school setting? Mm -hmm. I know I'm sure that varies by. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. I mean, and so I would say for your like middle of the road person with dyslexia, um, what we typically see is that after a 
a couple years of Orton Gillingham, we tend to see a good response. And um, a lot of those kids, as they grow and mature and they're getting into you know, more secondary school, they are able to transition back into that more traditional setting. And it's really more about teaching them how to compensate and accessing accommodations. Right. So teaching to compensate is going to be things like accessing audiobooks for reading material. Um, so we're teaching, we've, we've taught them to read better, but they're still struggling right. to read fluently. And so right. now we got a lot of reading to do in school. So we access audiobooks to help us get through the reading material faster. Also is a fantastic way to stimulate vocabulary for these types of readers. Um, and then, of course, we're in app world, you know, technology. Right, and right. so there's tons of apps um, that can really be helpful for these kids to be able to be to, to be able to access reading material and to be able to write. Right. Um, what so moving past high school and moving into college, mm-hmm. like how how do you select the best environment for your child moving forward mm-hmm. too? Like um, what if they want to go to a big university, yeah. but they've only been at a small right. environment? School. Are they going to drown? And right. how do you keep up with their accommodations and things? Right. Yep. So as, um, as we move into college, um, different accommodation protection, if you will, America's with Disabilities Act is what protects students with disabilities in college settings. And so they do still have access to those accommodations. There's going to be an office for students with disabilities pretty much on any college college campus. campus. Yep. And so I always just tell parents, you know, it's just really important to investigate all that early and know what is available there on campus. There are some colleges, you know, even bigger colleges that are better at that than others that are just kind of known. There's also these bridge programs that you've probably heard a lot about. Right. Um, So bridge programs are um, a part of North and South Carolina state schools where they have local community colleges that they connect with and have a partnership with. And these kids come in to, you know, whatever state school and they are part of that state school they're part of you know the regular whatever you know college experience but their classes are through that community college and then it's all transferred into like their junior year or whatever year they get in they move into that four-year college but it's it's not like they're doing extra college and so it's a great transition time going from that high school to college where you probably so have a smaller, smaller yeah do you do you have to have accommodations to go into the bridge program I don't think you do because okay. I, I have heard of that yeah yeah and we and you know uh, they, they, we, I'm hearing more and more of those pop up which right. I think is just I mean so I great. think there should be more for everyone yeah to start smaller yep. and um, and do state colleges and community colleges first maybe we wouldn't have the dropouts <laughs> I know that well the there's no conversation about yeah it. yeah like in the high school setting I mean maybe in public school it's probably a little more prevalent, but um, in private school, it's not. It's you know you don't talk about that because right. it's not what they want. Right. You know, they want right. everyone to go to the great Big schools. schools. Yep. Um, but um, uh, the reality is, especially now in Corona COVID, COVID, yeah, it's like we should all be pushing them to go to you know local mm-hmm. colleges and mm-hmm. then do two years later. Yep. Yep. So, what are your favorite resources in Charlotte for families um, that outside of their schools mm-hmm. that they can tap into? Um, for dyslexia? Um, so there's a, um, a North Carolina branch um, called um, Decoding Dyslexia, North Carolina, I think is the exact term. Um, the North Carolina chapter of the individuals or the International Dyslexia Association is great. Uh, Learning Disabilities Association has local chapters. The Fletcher School has, um, in non-COVID times, I know, they have um, the Rankin Institute, right. which is part of their school, and they have a lot of professionals that come in and talk 
talk about a variety of topics, um, but certainly learning disabilities. I wonder disabilities. if they're Zooming now with those. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what we they're doing. We work with them. I love Fletcher. I yeah. will look into that Smarties and see if I can yeah. make sure that we link to that if there are some yep. coming up. Yep. And then also the John Crossland School right. um, same. has same thing. They have, a, you know, the same types of, com- you know, conferences and, and um, things like that available to parents. So I feel like that's a great way for parents to meet other parents and then right. also learn about some of the other professionals in the community and um, the that can be really helpful. And the students who oh, are yeah. like them. Yep. Um, what about the difference? So in the private schools, they specialize in a little bit different ones for, you know, like John Croslin versus mm-hmm. Fletcher versus, um, you know, lots of others. So how do you break those down? Because they only have a certain number of spots per mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. right? So what do you mean by breaking them down? Well, like some, you know, Fletcher specializes in a certain type, you know, certain type of learning disability. Mm-hmm. And so does John Croslin. And uh, is there a better place for a different each different diagnosis? Yeah. Well, so they really both um, are there for students with learning disabilities in Charlotte, John Carlson and Fletcher. And John Carlson, of course, was Dora a long time ago. They've both been in our community for a really long time. Um, So I do think that they, you know, I think it would be interesting to kind of, you know, talk from their admission standpoint, but I've always felt like they are both equipped, you know, to educate students with dyslexia and students with learning disabilities. They're both K-12. you know, and do have a college prep. And um, there are programs within our state that can help with the tuition too, right? Yes, there are grants. I was actually just learning more about this um, recently with one of my colleagues. So there are grants. If you have a child in public school and your child has an IEP, Right. There are North Carolina grants that give you funding towards private school education. Right. And then there's also monies for um, support with, like, tutoring and other. And these are all based on students with disabilities, not just dyslexia, you know, wide range of disabilities. There are other um, types of funding that is, is there to help Is there offset. a website for that? There is. I don't know it off the top of my okay. head. I'll, but it's you like can more, let me know and yeah, we'll tag that. Yeah, can link it in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, think it's like N-C-S-E-A-A or something like that. But okay. I'll make sure I have it correct. Yeah, that's good because yeah. we'll link to that. Um, anything else that you have tips for families with? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things I would say is really making sure once your child is diagnosed with dyslexia, demystifying it for them, really right. telling them about what this is. We oftentimes will get parents will say, well, I don't want to tell my kid. I don't want them to have a crutch or feel like they have a label. Um, and really, I've been I've been doing this for 14 years. And what I've seen, you know, working in a clinical setting particularly is that kids that go undiagnosed or kids that are struggling with these things that don't know and don't understand, these are the kids we see with these secondary diagnoses, depression, anxiety, right. Right. Poor self-esteem because they begin to internalize and think, well, I just must be dumb. There's That's why I can't read. Me. Yeah, right, there's something right. wrong. And so really encouraging parents to share this with their child. You know, their age is going to depend on how you do that and when you do that. But there's some great books. There's a cute little book um, called I Have Dyslexia. What does that mean? Um, it was written by a fourth grade student and her mom. And she talks about, you know, in kids terms, elementary age terms, you right, know, what right. that is. There's some really great documentaries that um, HBO has produced and some others about dyslexia that I think are helpful sometimes for, you know, more secondary teenage kids. But having that conversation and talking right. about what it is and what it is not, I think is really, really important. It will empower them. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. agree. I agree. Um, well, thank you so much for being with us today. Smarties, uh, you can find Child and Family Development on childandfamilydevelopment.com. 
and on Facebook at Child and Family Development and Instagram at Child and Family DEV. And you can find us daily on charlottesmartypants.com and Facebook and Instagram at charlottesmartypants and Twitter at charlottesmarty. Thanks so much for listening to our Smarty Podcast. You can always join in on the conversation at charlottesmartypants.com. The Smarty Podcast series is produced by Charlotte Starroom, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio. Check them out at charlottestarroom.com.